Welcome to episode three of the Voices of Hope podcast, where our hosts are continuing to share their own stories. Jen and Jeanette have been part of the North Star community since the beginning. Jen expounds on her story, which was featured in a Voices of Hope video in 2015. She shares the fears that she felt about coming out as gay after having been married to a man for 18 years and what finding a community within North Star really meant to her. She discusses how she came to reconcile her feelings in her marriage, as well as what keeps her anchored in the gospel. Jen and Anjanette also recount how they first met and how their initial perceptions of each other were off, despite Anjanette not having attractions towards women. Anjanette tells her own story of growing up and learning to cope with her own struggles with addiction. Later, she finds resources for those addictions, only to understand just how lonely it can be for a woman in the church to deal with addiction at all. Anjanette dives into her own experience of being a single member of the church and how that is something she's still working to understand and accept. That experience gives her empathy to understand members of the LGBT community that are single or who have chosen to be. Anjanette closes with her desire to get personal perspectives from members navigating these conversations and how the things she's learned have affected her evolving relationship with God. All of that and more on today's Voices of Hope podcast. listeners today. This is Jen Curtis. And this is Anjanette Mickelson. Coming to you from the wonderful states of California. And the awesome state of Utah. And for our first podcast this year that we'll be doing, we'd like to frankly introduce ourselves. Everyone should know Anjanette and I are friends. We've been friends for a couple of years now. And as our introduction here, I'll go ahead and kind of say a little bit of my story and then lead into Anjanette mm-hmm. and kind of tell how we came together in this podcast space. Absolutely. So, and Anjanette, ask whatever questions you want. Oh, I will. Anjanette and I are question people. Just, you should know this going in. <laughs> uh, so I'll kind of start my story um, about almost nine years ago now, I had come to a place in my life where I realized that I was gay. Uh, at the time I would have said I struggle with same sex attraction or I struggle with SSA or I guess there were so many ways for me to say it. Most of the time I might've said I dealt with it. Um, And I would say that it's important to state that because nowadays that's not how I would say it. I would just say, hey, I'm gay. And as I was coming to this dawning realization, the things to know about me are at the time I'd been married to my husband uh, for about 18 years. Mm -hmm. I had two kids who were teenagers and I was about 38. So that's a bit of a complicated situation for coming out because it's in the middle of a marriage and Mm -hmm. talking to my spouse about that uh, went a little better than what some stories I've heard are. Um, As an SSA woman, uh, telling your husband seems to be an interesting space. Uh, All he pretty much did was ask some questions Mm -hmm. and I did my best to answer them. And we move forward and, and even in, a, in counseling sessions, 
uh, the therapist, the one time had us both come in and said, said to both of us, he asked my husband first, are you scared or have fear in places that your wife is going to leave you for another woman? And he looked at the therapist a little confused and said, no. (laughs) And the therapist looked at me and said, uh, Jen, are you nervous or scared that you might leave your husband for a woman? And I was like, yes, yes, a hundred percent. Yes. There's this fear inside of me. And my husband's like, really? Like, oh my gosh. And, and I kind of, we had some really great conversations, uh, in that space as, as I tried to speak to these fears that I was having. So as I started to come out to myself and, and talk to my husband and I started to, it took about a year for me to broaden that group of people that I told. And once Mm -hmm. I did, a lot of good things started to happen. I had more of a support group. I had people I could talk to or really frankly, ball my eyes out and cry about to yeah. them because there were just a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. And after about that first year, uh, I was constantly researching and trying to find things like Google searching LDS gay women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like organizations or something. And I happened to type in the right combination of words and the North Star webpage came up. Hmm. And as I read what their mission statement was to assist and help individuals and families who deal with um, LGBT and transgender issues and who mm-hmm. also are proclaiming that they have testimonies of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. man, it hit me like a lightning bolt that this is a group of people I needed to talk with because I felt so alone. I felt that nobody understood my space and journey mm-hmm. and uh, as I did that, there was a North star fireside in an, in that wasn't actually too far from our area, maybe an hour. Oh, wow. And, and I showed up and, uh, Rosa, who's, uh, currently, uh, one of the board members of North star mm-hmm. happened to be there with her husband telling their story. And one of my first introductions into this space was, Rosa's in them telling the story. Afterwards, I wanted to say, hi, my name is Jen Curtis. I appreciate your story. Everything was wonderful. And Rosa looks, before I get a word out, Rosa looks at my husband and is like, it's so nice to have you here. And she starts <laughs> talking to him. And I realized that she just assumed my husband was gay. And I had to stop her. I was like, well, well I said, wait a second. And she's like, yes. And I was like, he's not gay. I am. And she, she literally took a step back and was like, got to recalculate this. And she's like, I haven't met a a same, a same sex attracted woman. And I was like, well, I'm here. And that's when I began to understand that, that in the LDS world, and especially in an LDS, this North star uh, world of the LGBTQ people, uh, 
that the women were just a little under-numbered. And that it was a really small group. So when I went to the first conference, and I can say I'm one of those, yeah, yeah, I've been to all of them. I've had the (laughs) blessing and opportunity to be at all of them. And that first conference, there were about 15 to 20 women, and that was it. And hundreds of, of men and advocates and supporters but there were only 20 women that that met and going to these women's these classes designed for the women and it was i don't know it was a moment of feeling like god was going to help me hmm. that there were other women that might be able to connect and understand my story. Mm-hmm. And that is why I've continued to go to the North Star conferences and have continued to be a member of the women's community because our voice is small mm-hmm. and our numbers are small. And I don't know, it's just talking to them and hearing their stories. I I can sit there and smile and laugh in every direction and go, wow, that is my experience. That was my experience. Oh my gosh. We've all of us are talking about the same experiences here, just a little (laughs) bit different in our own unique ways. And I don't know. I, uh, I, I keep going back nowadays, not as much because that I need all these classes because I'm in this dark space kind of that I entered in. Mm-hmm. But I keep coming back because this group of women, so many of them have become endearing friends like mm-hmm. Anjanette. And I don't know, they just, they bring something to my life that I didn't know I was missing. They bring mm-hmm. a community. And before that, Though some people would, who know me, would might might not believe this about me. But before I got into this space and before I came out, I was a very lonely, isolated individual. Mm-hmm. I didn't know people in my ward. Uh, I didn't have friends that I could call to talk about things. Um, I I was an island, mm-hmm. and. It was really this coming out process that led me into a space to realize that uh, this might sound strange to people, but that, that God couldn't be my only friend, mm-hmm. that I needed his children on earth to open their arms and hearts to me mm-hmm. and to bring me in and help me heal. Mm-hmm. So these days, I would say I'm still married to the same man. Mm-hmm. We've now hit 26.5 years. Wow. And awesome. I know, I know it's weird. This last conference I went and was called the veteran, like married person. I was like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, it was a lot of years of marriage where I was unhappy because I was an unhappy person. Mm. And, you know, marriage in the last few years, we've, re- I've really been working on it. Mm-hmm. and 
and working on myself and and these last few years have been some fantastic spaces for us Mm. um as well as now i really just uh, if you want to say how do i identify these days i'd probably just tell someone i'm gay Mm -hmm. and uh then say do you have any questions for me Mm. yeah and and just kind of open it up to them to to ask whatever they want i'm an open book in that way Mm. so and as we do the podcast more i know that you'll hear more about my story Uh, i do have a voices of hope video uh that is available for viewing on the north star website uh under of course jen curtis and just realize though that if any of the listeners here are going to view that that i did that three years Mm -hmm. after i came out and now it's been another five years. So the version of me right now is not the version you meet in that video. Um, <laughs> I can attest to that. They, they, <laughs> you can <laughs> attest to it. Uh, and, you know, it, but it gives you a really good backstory of, of everything a little more in depth and the places that I've been. And when I say that, um, you know, there are places in my life where I've been suicidal. There are places where I've been so extremely angry at God. I've been bitter towards everything, him, towards God and the world, towards myself most of the time. And I kind of hated myself in many ways. And over the last nine years with this community support and some great counselors, because they're fantastic, Mm -hmm. and I've been able to find my way to a good place. Mm-hmm. And I hope that any listeners out there who might be in that space, that they'll keep listening to all these podcasts and to the stories that are told, because there's a lot of people in this community who are finding their way. And I a hundred percent believe that you can find your way because I did. And I thought that was going to be impossible, truly impossible. That's beautiful. Um, Thanks, Angie. So to talk about Anjanette and I now, we well, met. Let me ask y- you a couple of questions real quick. Oh, I, oh. Ooh. <laughs> question time. Yes. Question time. So I can feel in the atmosphere that mm-hmm. some people listening to this podcast might be wondering how it is that you went 18 years into your marriage and not be aware that you were gay or that you were attracted to women. So I, I would love for you to speak to that. Wow, Angie, starting hard hitting from the start. <laughs> um, okay, that is a really good question. Um, so for me growing up, there was this space of, I, I was just a troubled kind of person inside. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different mental health issues that I wasn't willing to talk to anyone about because I was an isolated person. Mm-hmm. And as that kind of grew in life and I thought I dealt with it, I met a young man when mm-hmm. I was like 18 and a half and we were really compatible mm-hmm. and we liked each other and we could talk all the time and we fit well together. And I was like, why not get married? And he thought the same thing. So we got married. Mm -hmm. And 
as as the first years of marriage and stuff progressed, it for me it was apparent that something wasn't clicking. But mm-hmm. I was so young that I didn't have the words, and I didn't. I had never been to a counselor. I should have, but I hadn't been. So I didn't have tools and stuff in my tool belt to really work that space with him and have Mm -hmm. conversations and talk about it. And the clicking continued to not happen, Mm -hmm. but there were these women who were like really close friends of mine, like that one best friend kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that always clicked. And that was the person that I would talk to about lots of things. and. Over time, I think what it was is being raised in the in the 80s in the church, like those homosexuality was not talked about. And no, it if it was, and if it was, it was just like you you can't be LDS and gay. That just doesn't happen. Right. And having that in my mind, I think for me, it was like this sense of repression, like even if I was to think about my sexuality, like, well, I just, you marry a man. Like it wasn't even a thought in there. Right. It was only as things in myself started to unravel. And I started to look at my situation because I was unhappy and things weren't clicking for me in the ways I thought I wanted them to that eventually at, um, 18 years of marriage is when I told him, but it was about a year before that, that I started, that I started to ask myself the question, am I gay? And it took me Mm -hmm. about a a year to end up at a point in prayer to Heavenly Father. And I broke down, my kids were at school, my husband's at work. And I finally said in the most sincerest, deepest prayer, Heavenly Father, am I gay? Mm-hmm. And his response in my head, I heard this voice and it said, what do you think? And I said, I'm gay. It was the first time I'd ever said it. Mm-hmm. And this wash of love came over me, like feeling the spirit just tighten in around me. And all of a sudden in my head, there was a set of almost like flashcards, you know, like you have the little stick man and it's a little flip book and -hmm. you can see him walk along. Uh, that's kind of what happened to me, but it was like all of these moments in my life that never made sense. Mm -hmm. It was like this friendship and this moment was awkward and this and this, and it was like seeing it through the gay lens. It was like, Oh my gosh, how did I not know I was gay? (laughs) How did I not know? How did I never put the pieces together? And really it's because I just couldn't allow myself to even open up to the idea that I was gay. And yes, I said that I'm still married to the same man. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people probably then ask the question, right? (laughs) How am I still married to the same man if I'm gay? Mm -hmm. And that is a question that is a bit of a paradox to a lot of people. I'm still married to this man because we had a lot of frank conversations at that 18 year mark. Mm -hmm. And one of the toughest ones was the day he asked if I loved him. Mm. And I had to be honest. And my response was, I don't know. Mm. And I said, 
it feels like for the first time in my life, like I'm raising the Titanic. Like there's this boat underneath the water and I'm trying to raise it all to the surface and take a look at where it is now. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to repair what needs to be fixed and what, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And it took me a journey to understand for myself what love is and how I see it and how I see it in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I got to a place where I realized what love was for me. And that was basically a person thinking about me, a person doing things for me, a person willing to stick through the hard times with me, Mm -hmm. and a person that I have grown to genuinely love in my life. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to throw all of that away because I had these attractions and feelings for women. It, to me, that decision, it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. So I've stayed married. And yes, there might be people out there who would say, uh, but you're not happily married. And I would say, Mm-mm, nope, you are wrong. <laughs> I am a happily married woman. And if that like blows your mind in some way, welcome to my world. <laughs> the world of paradox. The world of paradox that most LGBT, LDS people sit in. Very true. It's a paradox. Beautiful. Good question. Good question. Well, I have two more. Okay. Go. Feel in the atmosphere. Okay. So, feel it. Feel this vibe. Feel it all. Do you feel it? Um, I feel it. So I believe what's happening in the culture and society today, we're, we're really going through a lot of changes of finding labels for things. Lots of labels for things. And I think it's our attempt as a people of trying to um, have better language to describe people's experiences and people's um, who they feel that they are. And so I would love for you to speak to this a little bit. When you were first coming out to yourself and first coming out in your marriage and and all the things, um, you identified one way. And now you're choosing to uh, kind of label things or describe things in a different way now. Can, can you speak to that a little bit from your perspective? Yeah. Um, as a person who, who went to college, uh, eventually choosing an English degree, mm-hmm. um, language is important. And language that the language that we choose, I think, definitely has an influence on the way people think. Mm-hmm. And when I first came out, I hated the fact that I was gay. And I, Mm. it's like, I hated God that somehow he made me gay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were kind of, that was my space. So my version of talking about it was I struggle with this. Mm -hmm. I, I deal with this thing uh, in my life and I hated it. I really did. Mm -hmm. I'm a crier and people should just know this. I really just hated, hated it about me. I felt like a sheep in wolves clothing. Sorry. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. the right statement, right? Yes. When I went to church and were amongst all the other women, I just, I felt like a creep. I felt 
ashamed. And so all of my language had a hatred, bitterness to it. Mm -hmm. And the more I came out of that space, the more I came to accept that being gay is, is a part of who I am. And it's nothing to be ashamed about. It just is. It's something that I experience. Then at that point, I think I used to say, well, I experience same-sex attraction because mm -hmm. it's an experience I'm having. And these days, like, it's just, I feel like it's simpler for me to just say I'm gay because that's how most people in the world would describe it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm attracted, sexually attracted to women. Like, what do you call that? Mm, I guess some people would say lesbian. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't like that term because the term lesbian to me is a person in my mind who's actively seeking relationships with women, who's actively seeking uh, that space. And mm -hmm. I am not. I'm actively focused on my husband and my marriage. And so I don't identify with that term. Saying gay seems more general. I haven't quite taken on the moniker of I'm queer. Uh, that's it's it's becoming a term that I hear more and more often, but it's not mm -hmm. one that I think I'm a little too old. I'm in my 40s and it's it's just it seems like this younger, a slightly younger generation is taking that on, which I'm like, go for it. Mm -hmm. So I would just say that I'm queer but as I focus more on my marriage and in that space, even these days, like I'm just being honest for me to say I'm gay. I don't know if that quite fits a hundred percent of my experience anymore. And why do you um, say that? Because I'm, I'm folk, I'm not pursuing and I'm not putting energy towards my attractions with women. And I used mm -hmm. to do that. And now that I'm pursuing and actively working in a marriage, which yes, I should have done for a whole 26.5 years, but I didn't. And that's just basically a lot of my personal issues. Um, I would kind of be in this space where I'm like, mm, I still experience those attractions to women. I'm still really attracted to women. My mm -hmm. husband happens to fit that one percent space i believe of happening into my life at the right time and the commitment that we had uh has seen us through mm -hmm. and that space of love and growth has happened and mm -hmm. we've built a life and a family together and i love it so i don't know these days fully if if there's a term for where i sit because i'm at peace with my sexuality and I've gotten to a place where I don't even think on a daily basis at all about my sexuality. It just, it doesn't come up ever really, unless I'm actively talking about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if anyone's come up with a term yet for us, for this space. It, Cause it's a paradox space and yeah. so many people don't understand it and they won't believe me if I say that I'm happy, but I am. I love it. Thank you for being Good. so open and vulnerable about that question and about your story. Um, because that's not the easiest stuff to talk about, especially right. since it might challenge somebody's current 
perception of this subject that's very difficult to talk about. I have one more question. Um, What is it that keeps you anchored and committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and your relationship with God? All right. Now I'm going to have to up my ante on questions I give you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is the relationship that Jen and I have, y'all. This is... (laughs) This is no holds barred. People are like, she asked what? Um, <laughs> all right. All right. This is getting real. This is getting real. Getting real, people. What has anchored me? I truthfully, I before we started the podcast today, I had my weekly session with my counselor. Mm-hmm. And this actual question came up. Hmm. And in the discussion... I pretty much said, I have always been a seeker of truth. And when I say that, I mean a seeker of truth that gets so desperate that my ego leaves. Mm. And it's just like, I'm willing to say that I'm not right and just keep seeking the truth. And mm-hmm. so as I went into this space, it was seeking truth. Who Really, this all started because one day I asked a question, who am I? Because mm-hmm. I really hated myself. And I asked God, who am I? And who do you see me as? Because I want to see myself the way you see me. Mm-hmm. And then I did something bold and brazen that I only do in desperate times. And it is not a suggestion. I'm going to say, go out and do everyone because it is not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. I, in that moment, I just knelt down and I said, who am I? And I want to know who I am according to you. And I said, I am willing to open myself up. Give me any experience, bring any person into my life, any relationship, into relationship. I don't care what you do. But I am allowing God to act in my life with complete free reign so that he can show me who I am. Mm-hmm. That was the craziest prayer, the craziest desperation, and the best prayer I ever gave in my life. Because I had no clue That was probably about 2008. It has now been, what, 10 plus 3, 13 years? Mm -hmm. And I have a better view of how God sees me now in my life. And it's not... It's not how I felt about myself. I, it, it was, it's that desire though, that I've had from an early childhood. And every time I was desperate and seeking truth, I had this sensitivity in me to know that I needed to reach up. Mm -hmm. And I did every time and every time I've done it, Life kind of gets crazy a little bit because weird things happen. 
but it's always a good outcome. In the end, it's always taught me something. I've learned something about myself to see myself in a new way, to gain perspective, to like, I could go on and on with a list, but I feel today in this moment that I see myself a little more like God sees me and it's Mm -hmm. changed my life. And Angie has had the crazy opportunity to see what that looks like in my life in the last few years. Very true. Because I am not the same person. Very true. Did that answer your question? That answered my question beautifully. So thank you for being so open and honest about your journey. Because I know somebody out there listening to this is going to identify with parts of your story and will not feel as alone because you were willing to tell your story. So thank you. Well, I do my best to be open and honest the best that I can. So I appreciate you saying that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's turn the wheels here a little bit. Uh Oh, Oh, I know we need, Oh my gosh. We need some type of like, dun, 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 (laughs) dun, dun. Yeah. This podcast definitely needs sound effects. I know. Right. (laughs) Oh, Okay. Um, we're going to change wheels here because Anjanette has her own story that I would love all of you to know and understand, uh, about the place she sits and where she's coming from. Um, just to reiterate here, Anjanette and I have been friends for about two years now, mm-hmm. and we actually met at a North star conference. True. Um, because when the women are together at a North star conference, we like to party. I'm just letting you know <laughs> the happening places with us. So Nick's conference, come see me. You can get an invite and hang out and talk to a lot of SSA women about their perspective and their journeys. Cause it's different from the men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a so party. We, it <laughs> is because Anjanette decided we invited her after seeing her in some of the classes, uh, like, come come with us afterwards. We're going to do dinner. Come out and hang out with us. And she didn't know what she's getting into. And she's talking with us. And, of course, I'm just letting you know the truth, Anjanette. When a woman comes into our space and we find out, you know, she's, like, single and other things. Of course, like, all of – and you're wearing tennis shoes, practical shoe wear. It's true. Which Very is true. the sign at the North Star Conference for a lot of SSA women. Just letting you all know, ladies, wearing practical shoes is, like, the gay lady thing. Which I didn't know. And so. I know most people don't. It's a little joke we have at the conference. But in reality, there's some truth to it, like there all cliches. So, truthfully, until I really started to get to know you, I just assumed <laughs> you were gay. Right. And when I – had conversations with you and you can tell people kind of that space you hold, but Mm -hmm. it was not what I was expecting. (laughs) Um, but we did meet. And from there on, um, we've been through a few things in the last few years and it's kind of forged our friendship in fire. And so when I got the opportunity and they said, Jen Curtis, would you like to do a podcast? I was like, Oh my gosh, you know me so well. (laughs) I'm a talker and I love talking about this subject. So you got the right girl and they're like, invite somebody to be a co-host. And I was like, Oh, and Jeanette, that is the person I want her perspective out there for our community. So Jeanette, over to you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. 
I, um, there's kind of two angles that I'm going to take about my story. Um, first of all, to those who are, um, questioning like where I identify, how I identify. Um, I, yes, I, at this point they are asking that question. Like, what is she doing? Um, so in preparation for this podcast, I gave some thought to this. Um, and because again, like Jen, I'm not sure that I feel like there's quite a label for me. Um, and, uh, I don't feel like my experience is the same as other women's. However, I don't think it's that different either. And so I would say how I identify in quotes, quotations, um, is a pseudo gay woman. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. New terminology out there, everyone. New terminology. If it's not confusing enough for people. Um, so uh, the reason I say that is because um, I identify as straight. I, I am not sexually or romantically attracted to women. Um, I do feel like I am sexually fluid um, for those who are familiar with that. Um, the thought of being in a relationship with a woman doesn't repulse me, but it does for some other people, um, depending on where you're at in that spectrum. For me, I, 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 it's not something that I naturally seek out, but it's not something that is, you know, uh, that I'm, uh, find, you know, bad. It, it just is, it is what it is. I, I, I am generally more attracted to men. Um, but I, but in many other aspects, I find myself relating more to gay women than I do to straight women. I've always been kind of a tomboy. Um, my interests have always been towards things that, um, are more interesting to men or more interesting to gay women. A lot of the things that women find interesting or activities they'd like to engage in, I, I have no interest in. I've always been very independent. Um, and so I, when I came to the North Star Conference, and I became very fast friends with Jen and with our other friend, Kim, uh, and started hanging out with the gay women's group, I really felt like I had come home to my tribe. I really felt so connected and so relatable to these other women, even though we sexually, our orientation may not be quite the same in many other important ways. I really felt like I related to some of these wonderful women in this community a little bit more than I sometimes relate to straight women in my life. And um, so I love being a part of this community. I love being a part of this uh, wonderful group of women. And um, that's, that's kind of how I identify. Um, so the couple of angles that I kind of come to this community, my background when I was growing up, um, I come from a very good family. And I come from very good, loving parents, uh, but they both had their mental illness issues. Um, my mother was a very smart, charismatic, intelligent woman, um, but she, we're pretty sure, my brothers and I, that she was severely bipolar and she was schizophrenic. And we didn't know that growing up. Oh, wow. And um, so she was a very good mother, always wanted to be a good mother, and in many ways, she was a spectacular mother. Um, but having said that, because of her mental illness, um, there was some emotional abuse that happened growing up. And for me, growing up did not feel safe. And my dad always struggled with depression. Um, through various times through his life, 
he uh, was here and there institutionalized on suicide watch. Um, wow. I remember near the end of his life, there was one time when we admitted him to the University of Utah for a month uh, because he lost about 60 pounds in like two months because he wasn't eating or drinking anything. He was oh my gosh, passively suicidal the last few years of his life. And so he, I think him in our childhood didn't know how to handle what was going on. And so he, he, he's a very sweet, tender man, but he, he kind of retreated in many ways. And so, um, it was, it growing up was very difficult. And, uh, me and my older brother, especially there were responsibilities that were heaped on us at a too young of an age. We in many ways became the parents of our family at a very, very young age. Um, and so just nothing about growing up felt safe to me in many ways. And so at a very young age, um, I I'm guessing around age six, um, I discovered masturbation as a coping mechanism. At that time, I had no idea what it was um, or what I was doing. I just know that it helped me to feel good. And um, when I was a little older and I found out what it was and realized that this is, you know, within our faith, not something that you should participate in, it was kind of too late. And it was already a very strong coping mechanism for me. And frankly, it had already kind of become an addiction for me. So throughout my childhood and throughout my teen years, as things with my family got more chaotic, um, I, uh, on and off, I would, you know, go through periods where I would try to refrain and I would succeed. And then chaos in my family would happen and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I would relapse. Um, and I just kind of kept it to myself. Um, also during my childhood, I had a lot of interesting interactions with friends, um, around this issue of homosexuality. Um, I remember in my childhood, I had a, a really good friend. We were friends in, in elementary school and in middle school who, uh, whose dad was gay. Uh, he passed away from AIDS, so I never had the chance to meet him, but she would talk about him very lovingly. Um, um, he was a very talented seamstress and clothes designer and was very into musical theater. And my introduction into musical theater as music oh, wow. uh, came from this friend. And um, so that raised some questions in my childhood. Um, in my high school years, um, I had a very dear family to me that had this situation where one of the parents was gay and there was a divorce. And I saw uh, a front row seat to how that situation affected their family. Their family is amazing and their family has gone through their own long journey um, and is in a much better, healthier space now. Um, but it, I saw how difficult it was to deal with that issue and all the wonderful people involved in that situation. And um, I don't know, I, 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 by trade, I work in the music business. I'm a singing coach and a songwriter. And, um, so I'm around people who, um, identify as gay or transgender. I mean, I'm around this fairly frequently. And so I've just had a lot of interactions throughout my life being around awesome people who have this as part of their life in some way. And it's always raised questions for me, always raised questions for me about how, how does this work for people who experience this? And how does this work within the gospel? And there was not a lot of great information about any of this when we were growing up. There just wasn't. And usually no, if, wasn't. It was if it was talked about, it was usually in a very prejudiced way. It was usually like, 
oh, you're gay. You, oh, like that's awful. Or wow, you're a fag. Or I mean, it, it was always talked about with oh. great disdain and hatred. And uh, words that were mm-hmm. so negative and so not used today. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that for the most part, a lot of that language is changing because it was, and that we're having better communication about this issue because it's, when I was growing up, it was not talked about well, and it was not well understood. Um, so going back to my own personal journey with sexuality, um, when I was about 15, my parents separated and, um, I chose to go live with my dad instead of my mom. And my life took a very big turn for better because I was not, um, living with my mom. I was not being responsible for my mom. My life became my own instead of having to take care of my mom constantly. And so a lot of positive things started happening, but I avoided dating, um, because there was just a lot of things that my mom put into my head about, uh, men and dating and sexuality. Um, she, and so I just, I came away from the notion that men are only out there to use you. Um, having romantic feelings for anybody on any level is wrong and it's bad and it's going to lead to bad things like pregnancy and drugs and, and, um, uh, you know, who knows gangs. Um, my mom, (laughs) (laughs) my mom was not a mentally healthy person. When we hit our teenage years, she just kind of went to this space of like, they're, they're doing everything under the sun. And me and my brother were very, very good kids. (laughs) We, We did not do rebellious things. We were very self moderated. Um, I'm just letting you know now I have this visual of you being a gang member in my <laughs> head with a lot of gay people, and it's the best right. visual ever. Well, I mean, it's a scene from West Side Story, let's be honest. It if I is. was gay, it would be singing and dancing involved, and, you know, <laughs> nice. let's just be honest. So, anyway, um, I, I avoided dating um, for many, many years. Um, I focused more on my career path, which took a non-conventional route of being self-employed very early on and learning how to teach singing and be a part of music. And so, um, I didn't start dating until my late twenties really. And, um, um, and all that time, again, I struggled in and out with this, this, um, masturbation issue. Um, again, it would have periods where I would go without engaging in that. And then, life would happen, craziness would happen in life or my family and I would relapse. And so in the back of my mind, it was just this little bad habit that I had. Right. Mm. Um, but when I started dating, it very quickly for me opened the floodgates and I very quickly in my interactions with men, cause I had no idea how to interact with men. I had no idea how to flirt. I had no idea how I, I just really had no idea what I was taking on. And so very quickly as I was dating, um, I would act out sexually on dates. It very quickly came to a place where I couldn't go on a first date with anybody and not act out in some way. And so that's not who I want to be as a person. That's not my values. And that brought a lot of shame and um, yeah. self-hate into the equation. And so I very quickly sought out help. And I very quickly saw that this is not just a bad little habit. There's something deeper going on here. And so I started going to the LDS addiction recovery program and started going to meetings. Yes, yes. That's a fantastic program. I I definitely advocate it for anybody who has not uh, heard of the program or knows much about it. Even if you don't have an addiction, 
please um, check out that manual. It's in our gospel library tools. Go to a meeting because you will meet some of the most amazing people at those meetings. And, and the, the addiction recovery manual is just a guidebook for really deep repentance and having a deeper relationship with yourself and with God. hundred percent. I ended up going to that program because as I was in my journey, um, there were addictions and issues that I was afraid as I was facing all the stuff about being gay, were going to pop back up and into yeah. my life because I was so stressed and I found myself at weekly meetings and it helped so much. I'm always an advocate as well for that program. Yeah. Addiction or not. Don't feel like you addiction have to have or addiction. not. Oh my it- gosh. Anything, anything. You can see the gospel library tool and read through that book and it lays out just a path to have a relationship with God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was my experience with the program as well. So I, when I first started going to meetings, I went almost every day. Cause oh, that's really? How, there were daily meetings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here in Utah. Um, I had to drive to downtown Salt Lake. I live in West Jordan. Um, but th- there was uh, here in Utah, fortunately we have a lot of great resources of meetings in the Salt Lake Valley. And so uh, there was meetings happening pretty much every day and except for maybe Monday nights. And um, so I, as often as possible, I went to meetings. That's how much I needed support. That's how much I needed help um, with the shame. That's how much I needed help with abstaining, with building a better relationship for myself. And it was a very long and hard road, lots of ups and downs, but extremely slowly and very gradually, I started getting into a healthier place. And I eventually started um, uh, facilitating meetings with the 12-step program. So I've facilitated meetings for general addiction. I've facilitated meetings for um, the friends and family support because I feel like both of my parents, in a way, were probably pain pill addicts. And they relied a lot on, you know, legal pharmaceuticals (laughs) in a not healthy way. And, um, so I, I know that side of addiction. And then I also very much started facilitating the women's only groups, um, for women Mm, who had um, sex addiction issues like me. And I really, my experience with these meetings really mirrors in many ways, Jen, your experience with coming to North star where, um, interestingly enough, you know, if you go to meetings and you see the numbers for, the men's support meetings for like pornography and sex, they're huge meetings. And I, I mean, I, I've seen many times where like, there's so many people, so many men coming to those meetings, they have to create two meetings at the same time with two facilitators and missionaries because oh my gosh, there's so many men that are seeking help, which I think is wonderful. Um, but what's interesting is when you go to the women's only support meetings, they're extremely small. They're extremely small. They and are. I, they are a hundred percent. Yeah. And I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had with newcomers to those meetings with women who are, they're, they're desperate. They're struggling for help. They're struggling for understanding. And they come to these meetings, hoping to hear more people's stories and like, where is everybody? And I, and I'm like, it, it's just the reality, in my opinion of our culture is that even though in the LDS world, um, you know, having pornography issues or masturbation issues or sex addiction issues is not okay. It's not in alignment with our beliefs and our values. It's kind of sort of almost a given or expected that men struggle with these issues. 
but it's not okay if women struggle with these issues. It's a man's problem. So there's a lot of shame yes. around it for women in many ways that I believe yes. is not uh, a part of the man's experience. And which is interesting because if you study some of the data about these issues, it's almost 50, 50 that people struggle yep. with this. It's, it's maybe a little bit in favor of the men, but not by a whole lot. And so there's obviously something happening culturally where it's not okay for women to have these experiences, even though they do, it's very common. And, um, it's something that I feel like we need to talk about more. It needs to, I'm, it's my hope in telling my story that I create a safer space for women to go and seek help. If that's something that they need help with, there is help available and, and it's okay just, if you struggle with these issues. And can I just say, Anjanette, like bravo to you. I'm going to actually clap because <laughs> this is a space that, you know, I'm also passionate about. I struggled with the same thing when I was growing up and mm -hmm. it put me into a place of shame and I spiraled and felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I don't mm -hmm. usually talk about it all the time. However, it is a space where I find in conversations with these days, straight women, gay women, anything. Mm -hmm. I've met more women who have struggled with pornography and masturbation and sexual addictions and it's so hard. It's just a hard space because they feel uncomfortable talking to a bishop or they feel yes. so many things to get help. It's easier to just be like, it's not really a big problem, but right. it's, it's a sign of a deep, it's a symptom of a deeper issue. Absolutely. And those are things that can be looked at and helped. Um, yeah, so just bravo because it's not the most common topic. Hello, first podcast, and these are the <laughs> things we're talking about. This is Anjanette and I's life of conversation. You've now met us, and these are things that, as women, we know that need to be talked about. And there's no shame in saying this is part of my story. There's no shame in saying there's a space for me to get help. So thank you for bringing this up. And, and the vulnerability it takes to talk about that out loud, yes. truthfully, like this is, this is the podcast, man. Yeah. This is the space. These are the hard conversations. Yep. Continue, continue with this story, man. Well, uh, I have had many, many years as a facilitator in that program and I still find myself in a single space. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, uh, 42 years old and, um, I very much thought that I would be married by this point in my life. I very much thought that I would have kids at this point of my life. Um, I'm very much still in a grieving process right now at the aspect that it is possible that this life that made it happen for me. And so in a different way, I very much relate to many of the people in the North Star community because for their own personal reasons, they may choose to stay celibate for the rest of their lives. And I very much understand the pain and the loneliness that that comes with that. Um, I'm very lucky and blessed to have a very wonderful wide network of people and angels in my life that have really rallied around me this last year that I'm deeply grateful for, including Jen. And um, so I, I have connection with people and it is deeply important to me that I have good connections with people, but I still very much long for a companion. I very much long for that experience and to be that role. And, um, 
there's a part of me that still hopes for it. We'll see if it happens. I have some issues to work through to see if that becomes possible. But for anybody else out there, whether they're gay or straight that are in that single space, I, I very much hope to represent that voice in this community well, because many of the people who are in the North Star uh, Voices of Hope videos or on this podcast, they're incredible people that are married, which is a very paradoxical space. Um, being single in this church is a different kind of paradoxical space. And um, I, I, I hope to represent that voice well. And um, I've had, again, throughout these years of trying to figure out questions in the gospel, questions about myself. Um, I read Ty Mansfield's book many, many years ago, and I found that to be very insightful. And um, moving forward with, again, people in my life that have these as issues, um, it's led me to deeper questions. And my views on many of these things have changed over time. And um, I love that I'm get to be a part of this podcast because I get to continue to ask questions from real people who experience this. I, the reason I went to the North star conference for the first time two years ago is because I had read Ty Mansfield's book and I'd seen a bunch of videos on YouTube about him and his wife. And then I'd also started watching other voices of hope videos. And I saw Jen's voices of hope video, <laughs> which so her, her statement Funny. about it, not matching is very true because her, her video is incredible. If you find it on YouTube, please, please watch it. Her story is incredible. Um, but it's a very serious video. It's a very somber video. It's a very respectful video. Um, and when I met Jen in real life, I didn't put two and two together because when you meet Jen in real life, <laughs> she's very funny. She's she's bright and she's vibrant and she actively engages with people and makes people laugh. And it took me a little bit during the day to go, oh my gosh, it's the same girl. Um, <laughs> they really are. Different I, I had my little emo phase, everyone. And that was my little emo <laughs> phase of coming out after a few years. And I've moved past that into, I don't know, my K-pop phase. I don't know. <laughs> K-pop. We're going to have to talk about that later. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But, um, I, I went to the conference because I didn't want to just, I mean, I'm going to say this as respectfully as I can. Because there's lots of things talking about this in LDS culture, LDS doctrine, conference reports. But I wanted to talk to real people experiencing these issues. I wanted to talk to the people in the trenches instead of reading some quote 30 years ago by some apostle. Nothing wrong with that. But I, I wanted to talk to the real people and get answers about the questions that I have about these issues from people who are actually experiencing these things and get their perspective to deepen my understanding so that I could try to be more empathetic and find answers for myself, frankly. I have questions about the gospel. I have questions about my spirituality, about how I'm going to move forward with relationships. Um, and a lot of the things that we talk about in this community are just relationship issues. They're, they're right. faith crisis issues. They're relationship issues. They're the things that everybody deals with. Very true. So Very true. that's why I'm here. That's my story. Um, Okay, now I'm. It's time okay. for the scary questions. <laughs> as I look very somber and scary as I'm looking at internet. Um, one of the questions I'm curious about is, um, like when you came into that that first North Star conference, mm -hmm. what were your expectations? What did you think you were going to find compared to maybe what you found? Um, 
two things. So one of the things that I loved about this community is I really expected to come to this workshop or to this, this conference and be quiet because I'm actually by nature very introverted. I'm very good at having conversations with people, but I didn't expect to walk away with lifelong friends. But um, what happened for me is the first class that I went to, which actually was Rosa's class and Tara. Are you class. serious? Yeah, it was the first class. <laughs> Rosa comes back. Rosa comes Guys. back. Um, so prior to the conference, I was watching a lot of Voices of Hope videos. I happened to watch Jen's and relatively close to the conference, I watched um, our friend Kim, who I believe mm -hmm. is going to be one of the guests on our podcast later on. Um, and Kim was in that particular class and I'm a voice coach. I hear voices more than I see faces and names. <laughs> I, and Kim has a very unique, wonderful speaking voice. And she so does. It's true. very quickly in the class, I was like, Oh, there's the girl. I just watched her story like two weeks ago. And so I, um, after the class was over, it was a wonderful class by Rosa and Tara. I, I went and introduced myself to her and just said, Hey, uh, you know, my name is Anjanette and I watched your voice as a hope video a couple of weeks ago. It was a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. And I think she was a little taken aback of like, oh my gosh, um, this feels very invasive, but, um, <laughs> she, she was very gracious and she took me under her wing and, um, I, she quickly introduced me to you, Jen, cause you guys are very good. <laughs> and, are. uh, I just felt immediately welcomed into this group of friends and found, connection and found openness, which was wonderful. Um, did you come and, to dinner with us that night? Yes, I did. Ah, yeah. so you all should know out there that at the North star conference, usually Friday night and Saturday night, the SSA women come together and kind of invite really almost anyone who wants to come out to dinner <laughs> with us. Uh, it used to be like just, you know, kind of 10 of us showed up. And then over the last few years, like this year, we kind of had like 30 to 40. Uh, so our group <laughs> and dinner is growing. Uh, so we invite people to come out. And so we're always happy to have, have advocates and voices and learn more stories. So it was really fun to have you there. Thank you. Um, and it was fun being there because we met our other friend, Jen, who's yes, got an amazing uh -huh. story. Uh, we'll also I also be on a po our podcast at some point. Oh, we're hoping that's gonna. I hope so too. That's that would be a good one. Um, I met wow. Laurie Campbell. I met um, Straight Heather. I met <laughs> <laughs> the names we have Sorry. for people. Yes, <laughs> we do have a friend who endearingly we call Straight Heather because <laughs> she's straight and she's a huge advocate for the women and for our community. Yes. And we had a lot of Heathers in our group at that point. And it was yeah. our endearing way of saying, we love you and thank you. Uh, yeah. She takes it as a, a heart, a heart song moment. Um, yeah, she deserves it. Uh, one, one, one other takeaway. Oh, yes. I think the biggest thing that I came to the community when I started going to some of the classes and some of the, the sessions that they were doing is I expected in my mind that the biggest differences between people were going to be between the straight men and the straight and the gay guys and the straight women and the gay women. Um, and I think one of my biggest takeaways was mm, men are men and women are women, whether, whatever their <laughs> sexual orientation is. And the biggest difference is probably between the sexes rather than the sexual orientations. So that was oh a little surprising gosh. to me. It really was. I, I learned I something. I don't think I, we've had a lot of conversations, but that is not one. 
fully have had. So thank you for that one. That one made me laugh and smile. Uh, and I, I think I agree that over time now, I've discovered that, oh, a lot of the straight women feel uncomfortable going to Relief Society. Weird. <laughs> all right. So maybe we all just feel uncomfortable going to Relief Society. And then I start That's talking cool. to my friends here and they're like, yeah, it's nice to go. You see people. And I'm like, are we all uncomfortable? Like, it was like a newsflash. A newsflash to me. Absolutely. Um, okay. So then here's another question. Mm -hmm. As you dealt with your family issues with your yes. mom and dad mm -hmm. and uh, dealt with your own issues, mm -hmm. what, I'm going to like throw the question back at you, what has kept you grounded in the gospel? What has kept you in this space of, of holding on? Uh, because when, when I've been in really dark spaces, sometimes I feel like I want to let go. Uh, I guess if someone wants to visualize it, let go of the iron rod because it's too hard. It's too tough. I'm struggling and I need options and I need this and I need this. And going to church did has not always helped me. Um, going to the temple, has, I've had some horrific experiences feeling like a mm -hmm. real uh, evil person while being there. Like mm -hmm. there are some things that just at a, at a certain point, as I was doing my, as I was going through my coming out journey, like physically going into the church building created such a level of anxiety for me that every ounce of my being was being used just to stay in the building. And mm -hmm. I finally surrendered it to God that one Sunday and said, this is all I can do. Yeah. So for you, what does that space look like as you've had all of these crazy things happen and as you've had so much shame and as it was coming off and you're finding yourself um, in this space of trying to deal with uh, sexual addiction and whatnot, especially as a woman, mm -hmm. like what kept you, what kept you grounded? Ooh, that's a big question. Um. Well, I think the biggest thing I would like to say on that is my relationship with God is an ever-evolving space. Mm, I like that word, evolving. I, I never thought that it would be um, because I, especially, I, I've just had some experiences as my family was going through different cool things that God led me to a testimony a growing testimony that anchored me and gave me faith to keep going forward. Um, my experiences in the 12 step program. Um, it's undeniable to me that in a way that I don't understand, I am a different person than I used to be because of those 12 steps and because of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how th there wasn't a single moment in the program or m my working my 12 steps where it just kind of clicked and everything was different. It was a very slow, gradual process, but I undeniably know that God helped me through that time in my life and made me a different person. I am not the same person that I used to be. And the last three years, as Jen knows, because of many conversations have been very dark, 
because of a lot of things. Um, I won't go into details right now, but um, basically, every dream that I harbored for myself in my life died in the last three years. And then I experienced some very debilitating health issues. And the hardest thing through that experience or these experiences has been I haven't been able to have a communicative experience with God like I used to. I feel like in the past I would pray and I feel like I would receive answers. I would receive comfort. The last three years of, for me have been dark. And I have struggled to feel communication from God. I, I know that he is communicating with me, probably through the actions of others. The army of angels that I've had around me the last year and a half, especially. Um, but it, 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 he is not communicating to me the same way that he used to. And a lot of it is I am struggling to trust myself and being able to hear his voice. So for me right now, honestly, in full honesty, my experience with God right now is very paradoxical and it is very much, um, I am choosing to have faith. I don't feel emotionally the faith or the hope in many ways, but I am choosing it because of past experiences that I've had. And I'm choosing to believe that while God is moving him and me into a different kind of relationship that I don't understand and I don't know where it's going, I'm choosing to believe that there's a purpose for it. And that maybe he is leading me to a place that I can't imagine. And maybe my story will be helpful to other people's along the way. And this is one of the reasons why I really was happy when Anjanette said that she would be a co-host with me on this podcast because that space I find I have found in many people in this LGBT LDS space. And I think even though Anjanette would, has said that there's a fluidity about her sexuality, mm -hmm. but being mostly heterosexual in that space, mm -hmm. that's what you would consider yourself. There are so many similarities and spaces where you can have compassion and understand what so many people in this beautiful community yeah. within our church are going through. Yep. Maybe it's not from the same angle, but it doesn't have to be, in right. my opinion. It doesn't have to be. So thank you. Thank you for those beautiful words because I was in those spaces too. And that's why Anjanette and I... <laughs> <laughs> have forged this friendship because I understand because I what found I, myself there so often what I love about our friendship and the other friendships that I have with women in this community is women who are asking the difficult questions of the gospel women who are asking the difficult questions of life and God and they're deep in the trenches. They're deep in experiences that they don't know if or when they're going to come out of. And it's, it's, um, I love speaking with people in that space because of my own experiences selfishly, but also because how else do we get a deeper understanding of the gospel and of who God is and who Jesus Christ is if we don't have these paralyzing questions? Yeah, and just understanding better his nature and characteristics. 
because we start to ask ourselves these, I, I think in our community, we talk a lot about going from black and white thinking to gray thinking. Yes. Uh, as we enter some of these paradox spaces and that is a perspective that I wish more members of the church of our church would start to ask. And we're in the trenches and I love that visual. We're digging these trenches and we're asking these questions and trying to find hope and answers and options that work for us to continue our personal relationships with Jesus Christ as we Mm -hmm. face these moments of questioning so many things about ourselves. And Mm -hmm. can, in reality, the bottom question, can God still love me? Whatever choices I make, can God still love me? And I hope that as we have conversations with lots of people throughout this year uh, on this podcast, that that will become the resounding theme that God loves everyone and there are lots of options. There are always options on the table. All right. I hope that everyone has gotten to know a little bit about me personally, Jen Curtis, and about Anjanette here. And whew, those are quite some conversations. I feel like I need to stretch and just like do some meditative breathing exercises as we've gone into lots of hard spaces. Um, so I appreciate uh, Anjanette really for being vulnerable and sharing all those different parts of your story. Um, and for showing up to that conference and for becoming a part of this community. And I've seen you grow in it and I've seen your thoughts and ideas change as you've met and gotten to know such beautiful people who are in such hard places a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So we hope we can bring maybe some hope, maybe some hope that as we figure things out or as people we talk to on this podcast, figure things out, that there's a place for you. Okay. So at this point, I hope everyone has enjoyed getting to know us better. Uh, As we move forward here, we're going to have, like we've kind of talked about these, a lot of women and, uh, people within our community that we've, we know and are going to ha- do our best to have wonderful conversations and ask those hard questions and soft questions and everything in between to get to maybe understand a little bit more about all these wonderful stories of people out there and how they are making uh, their path in this life with lots of issues uh, surrounding LGBT and the LDS faith. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to all of the community out there. And we'll talk to you in another episode. Talk to you soon.